Well, welcome to Faith Promise this weekend. How are you? We're excited that you have joined us on this Memorial Day weekend. We just want to take a few moments as we get started and acknowledge those who have sacrificed their lives in the armed forces all across our country and just thank them for the sacrifice that they have made on our behalf. We are where we are today. We get to gather like we get to this weekend because of the sacrifices they have made. So uh, we just want to thank all of our uh, veterans, all of those who've given their lives, all of those who are currently serving in any form of the military right now for the sacrifice that you make for us. We'd also like to stop this weekend and acknowledge just a, a faith promise warrior and soldier who has been a huge part of who we are as a church, and that's Larry Petrowski. And if you have not heard yet, he has uh, went home to be with the Lord. And I can't think of a person other than Larry who more embodies who Faith Promise Church is, a, a selfless servant who sacrificed so many hours to serve and see uh, the vision of this church move forward. And so we, I just would like to ask you, over the next weeks, months, and uh, uh, time that comes, would you join us in praying for Gloria, his wife, for Justin, who was leading worship, his son, Jenna, their daughter, their families. Just pray that the Spirit of God would give them overwhelming peace as they walk through this difficult time. In fact, let's, let's pray for them this weekend together as we get into God's Word. God, you promise us that you will be peace in the midst of storms. You will be our hope. that you will be there in the midst of difficulty. And we know that this weekend for the Petrowski family, God, it, it has been a difficult time. And so we ask that they would experience your peace in a radical way that they've never experienced before. God, I just pray that you would wrap your arms around Gloria right now and around Justin and around Jenna and their families, that you would be their hope, that you would be their peace in the midst of this storm. And God, we pray for them over the weeks and months to come that we would be the servant that Larry was to us, that we would in the next months and years to come, that we would step in his place and be the servant that he was to his family and fill in the gap. God, today as they gather and they draw strength from your presence, we, we gather and we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that that same spirit who will provide peace and hope to the, to the Petrowski family would also bring revelation and enlightenment of the word to us this weekend. So we humble ourselves before you, and we ask that you would speak as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this series is called Hashtag No Filter, and we've been looking at the life of Jacob and some of the characters that surround Jacob's life. And we've been studying them and, and, and looking at selfishness, and to this, this weekend we're going to look at a specific aspect of selfish, selfishness called impulsivity. And we're going to see how it can, if we're not careful, can lead us to a place where we sacrifice what we ultimately want most for something we believe and think that we want right now. It can cause us to sacrifice what God has in store for us for the future for something we believe that we want right now. And so we've entitled this, this message, Starving Sons, how impulsivity drove both Jacob and Esau to trade God's preferred future for their life for something they believe that they wanted right now. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 25, Genesis chapter 25. And this story is so ridiculous because who would actually do that, right? You, you know the story. Esau gives up his birthright for a bowl of, of beans. He sacrifices everything that God has in store for him that his father wants to leave him for a bowl of beans. And it's ridiculous because who would actually make such a crazy, ridiculous trade? And the reality is we do it every single day. 
That every single day of our life, we're sacrificing God's plan and God's future for our lives for things that we think we want right now. Let's jump in and pick up on this. Genesis 25, uh, verse 24. When the time came, Rebekah gave birth to twins. The first baby was born red since his skin was like a hairy robe. Now, and they named him Esau. Now get this, she just gave birth to a baby Chewbacca, all right? Like how would you like it? You give birth to your child and the best way they can figure out to describe him is he looked like a hairy robe. All right? Like it looked like he was covered in 70s shag orange carpet, all right? I mean, this is, this is, this is crazy, right? But it goes on. In the next verse in 26, when the second baby was born, he was holding on to Esau's hill. So that baby was named Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. So the second child comes out and he's holding on to Esau's hill. And so they called him the hill grabber, the deceiver, the planter. And Zach did an incredible job last weekend unpacking that for us. That he was holding on to Esau's hill. And the picture that you get here, and we're going to discover even later in this passage, is these are two drastically different individuals, two polar opposites brothers. Verse 26, or I'm sorry, verse uh, 27. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skilled hunter, and he loved to be out in the fields. But Jacob was a quiet man and stayed among the tents. Now, the picture is here is Esau. He is a, a manly man. He is a red, hairy, robed dude who likes to kill things with his hands. He's a hunter. Like, he, he'd fit in at the Blunt campus with all the cowboys, right? He's he got back hair and chest hair and arm hair. Like, he's, he's the man, right? And then you've got his younger brother, Jacob. And Jacob is a quiet man. He likes to, he's more domesticated, right? He likes to, to clean and he likes to cook and he probably irons his sheets and wears, you know, skinny jeans and bow ties, right? That's, that's probably who uh, Jacob would be if he was here today, right? So polar opposite guys, polar opposite interests. And we're moving on, 28. Isaac loved Esau because he hunted the wild animals that he enjoyed eating, but Rebekah, Let's see, here we go. Rebecca loved Jacob. One day Jacob was boiling a pot of bean stew and Esau came in from hunting in the fields, weak from hunger. And so Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that bean stew because I am weak with hunger. But Jacob said, you must sell me first your rights as the firstborn son. And Esau said, I am almost dead from hunger. If I die, all of my father's wealth will be of no help to me. But Jacob said, first promise me that you will give it to me. So Esau made a promise to Jacob and sold his part of their father's wealth to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and vegetable soup and he ate and he drank and then he left. And so Esau showed how little he cared about his rights as the firstborn son. This has to be the worst trade in the history of the world, right? Who would actually give that up? You've got to understand what birthrights were. Birthright was what was set aside for the firstborn son. And every firstborn son said, awesome to be me. And everybody else said, sucks to be us, right? As a firstborn son, you got a special blessing from your father. But not only that, you got double the inheritance. You got double the inheritance of everyone else. And you've got to understand, Isaac was not a poor man. Isaac was loaded, not loaded with debt, loaded with money. He had all this money, all this wealth. And so for Esau, Esau stood in today's terms to become a millionaire when his father died. Now I want you to get this picture. You're going to trade millions of dollars in the future for a bowl of beans today. 
You're going to trade millions of dollars as your inheritance from your father and what God has planned for you for a bowl of beans that will satisfy you for a moment today. It's the worst trade in history. And what I've discovered is we do the same thing every single day. We sacrifice the plans and the future that God has for us. We sacrifice the inheritance that God wants to give us for things that we believe and think that we want right now. And what I hope we, we get out of this week and what I hope we get out of today is simply this, is that we would, we would be careful, that we would be cautious, that we would not sell out God's future for us, that we would not sell out God's inheritance that he wants to give us for something that looks appealing and satisfying right now. And I believe if Esau were here with us this, this weekend, that Esau would give us some, some very specific warnings, some warnings that if you and I would follow them, if we would implement them in our lives, it would keep us from trading our birthright. It would keep us from giving up what God has for us, the future that God wants to give us for something that we think we want right now. The first warning I think Esau would give to us this weekend if he were here and he could communicate with us is this. Beware of mistaking growth for maturity. Beware of mistaking growth for maturity. Look at what Scripture says in the very, very next verse in, in, in verse 27. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau became a skilled hunter. He loved to be out in the fields, but Jacob was a quiet man and he stayed at home among the tents. It says that the, the boys grew up. And I understand what the Bible is saying here. The Bible is saying they grew up in age. They aged. They got older. They developed skills. They developed things that they were good at. They found interest and they honed their skills and they became good at that. Esau became a skilled hunter. Jacob became a great cook and a great cleaner, right? He became very good at those things. They both grew up in that fashion. But did they really grow up? So they grew up externally. But they didn't grow up internally. How do you know that? Because look at their behavior. As you go down in the next few verses and you read, they're arguing back and forth like a bunch of teenage boys. He's like, I'm hungry. Give me some of that stew. No, give me your birthright. I said, give me some of that stew. First, sell me your... I mean, they're, they're bantering back and forth like brothers and sisters who are, you know, five years old. And as you study this, what you understand is that Esau and Jacob at this point were 60 years old. You've seen it before, Right? A parent dies and 60-year-old kids are fighting like cats and dogs over what they have to split among them. See, there's a way in which we can grow up externally. There's a way in which on the outside we can become successful, right? But we never develop and we never grow within. We never develop our character and who we are on the inside. We see it all the time. There are successful businessmen. There are men who are extremely great at building wealth and making money for themselves, but they never learn how to manage money for themselves. And if you don't believe me, go look at all uh, of um, uh, the, the, what do you call it? repossessed uh, the websites where people's homes get repossessed, right? You can go look on those and see the houses and you go, how in the world did someone lose that house? Because they got good at earning money, but they never got good at managing the money that God gave them. You see it with moms all the time who are unbelievable moms. Man, they pour into their kids. They love on their kids and they raise godly, unbelievable kids, right? But then you look at their social media accounts and they tear people down every single day and rip people to shreds hiding behind a computer or an iPhone. Because they've grown up externally. They've developed some skills. 
They've never developed who they were on the inside. They've never focused on growing internally, right? And this is what happened to Esau. Esau ended up forfeiting everything that he had. Why? Because he became a skillful hunter. He grew up, he became a skillful hunter, but he didn't grow in who he was. He became good at killing his dinner, at bringing home the deer and bringing home the wild animal, but he never got good at controlling his hunger. See, we mistake age for wisdom, and just because we grow up externally does not mean that we actually grow up and we develop character on the inside. And what I think Esau would beg of us this weekend is this, is to heed the warning from his life and to say, I've got to focus on who I am internally. I may have grown up, I may have moved from 30 to 40 years old, but just as much as I grew up externally, I've got to focus on developing who I am internally. And becoming the man or woman that God is calling me to be. To develop who God created me to be. The story goes on, verse 28. Isaac loved Esau because he hunted the wild animals that Isaac enjoyed eating. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now can you say in this, this situation, dysfunctional family, right? You've got a dad who loves the older son more and a mom who loves and babies the younger son more. This is dysfunction. And I'll, I'll just time out for a second and say, parents, be careful that we don't allow our dysfunction to destroy the futures of our kids. we got to check our own dysfunction and our own struggles. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that dysfunction to destroy the lives of our kids. It's what happened to Jacob and Esau. The dysfunction of their family created the hunger and the starvation in their souls that led them to act on impulse and sacrifice the future that God had for them. Verse 29. One day Jacob was boiling a pot of bean stew and Esau came in from hunting in the fields, weak from hunger. And I think to fully understand why Esau made the decision he did, you've got to understand his circumstances. You've got to understand what he was going through, right? When you hunt and you go out, he must have come home empty-handed, right? He must have come home because he didn't have anything to eat. He's asking his brother for something to eat. And when you hunt and you come home empty-handed, you feel pretty deflated, right? I mean, I don't know personally, I've never been hunting, but the cowboys at Blunt tell me that you feel that way when you come home and you don't get anything, right? It's like playing a, a sport, like a, a baseball game and getting beat. You feel defeated, you feel worthless. But not only that, he's hungry. And so he's in this weakened state, this, this very susceptible state, right? Let me just pause for a second and say, you got to be careful who you choose to talk to when you're in a susceptible state. When you are weak and when you are down, man, you, you are downcast, you got to be careful who you talk to. Who did Esau go talk to? Jacob. Who was Jacob? The hill grabber. The one who was constantly grabbing after everything that Esau had. Wow, that is the last person I would talk to when I felt defeated. That's the last person I would run to, but it's who Esau talks to. It goes on. Verse 31. So Esau said to Jacob, quick, let me eat some of that bean stew because I am weak with hunger. But Jacob said, you must first sell me your rights as the firstborn son. Jacob says, sell, sell me your, your, your rights as, as the firstborn son. That's, that's what I want. And in this situation, listen, you can see the emotion you can see the, the impulse, right? He says what? Quick, quick, give me some of that stew. The impulse in his, 
his voice. Also the impulse in Jacob who recognizes my brother's weak. This is the moment to strike. I can get what I want in this moment. Here's what I've wondered. Esau's a manly man, right? Esau's a hairy, back hair, arm hair, chest hair dude. Like you kill things with your bare hands. Why don't you beat the crap out of your little brother, right? Why don't you like throw him across the kitchen floor, like get the iron skillet and go all Rapunzel on him and knock him in the head, right? And like take the bean stew. You don't have to sell your birthright. Beat him up and take it. You know why he didn't? Because he was weak. And he forgot his own strength. And in that sit time where that appetite, that hunger was unsatisfied, emotion took over and exaggerated how he felt. And he forgot who he was and he forgot his own strength and what he was capable of. And in verse 32, we see Esau move from that unsatisfied appetite to an exaggerated emotion. What does he say? Esau says, I am about to die. What good is my father's wealth if I die? And right here, Esau, the manly man, turns into a drama queen in two seconds. I'm about to die. Really, Esau? Are you, you're just hungry. You're not about to die. But it's here that I think Esau would give us our second warning that if we'd heed, would keep us from selling our birthright. And that is this, beware of unsatisfied appetites that become exaggerated emotions. Beware of unsatisfied appetites, unsatisfied needs in your life that become exaggerated emotions. Because those exaggerated emotions will lead you to take action that you will ultimately regret. And what I want to do is to pause. We all have needs. We all have things in our life. We have needs for love, for acceptance, for approval, right? All those things that we need. And if we're not careful, when those things go unmet, listen, they can blow our emotions way out of proportion. And we begin to do things that we would never do in a normal circumstance. And what I think Esau would say to us is, don't go around hungry. Don't go around hungry. And I hope you don't think that I'm talking about physically. What I want to do is to talk about our soul or the condition of our soul. Don't get too hungry. Don't get too empty. Don't allow your soul, don't allow your spiritual condition to get dry and to get, to get empty. Esau was in trouble because he got hungry. And just like Esau, we make bad decisions. We make compromises, not because we're bad people. Esau didn't make a, a bad decision because he was a bad dude. He made a bad decision because he was weak and he was hungry. And the same is true for us. We can't go around living life hungry spiritually. We've got to stay filled up. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse for us. We got to feed ourselves. And for so many people, listen, we show up and we think, I go to church on the weekend, I get a good message, and that's all that I need. And you are killing yourself through the week. You're compromising your future through the week. Why? Because this weekend won't satisfy you. This weekend won't fill you up. You got to feed yourself spiritually throughout this entire week. And there's no excuse today. There's podcasts that are all over the internet. There are pastors from all over the world that you can download sermons and listen to. Every sermon that is preached at this church is available to you on our website to stream and listen to in the car. There's worship CDs so you can get your worship on all week long. You don't have to wait till the weekend. There's no excuse for us to walk around hungry and starving spiritually because when we do, 
We make horrible decisions and we sacrifice the future that God has laid out in front of us. And what I think Esau would say to us is this, beware of the bull. Beware. It's not worth it. We see this with, with young women all the time. Young women who, who watch, listen, who have this need to, to be married and they, they watch their friends all around them get married. They see them have weddings and they go to, to bridal shower after bridal shower. They're in wedding after wedding and buy all the dresses. They go, when is it going to be my turn? When do I get to get married? This desire, this need to be married, this desire for that affection and that intimacy. And they get frustrated instead of running to God who can satisfy that desire, they begin to try to help God. They get on online dating websites or they go to clubs to, to meet guys. And let me just pause and help you out right now. If God can create everything we see with a simple word, if God can speak everything into existence that we see, if God can take Lazarus and raise him back up from the dead, if God can take water and turn it into wine, if God can take Jesus who was dead as a doornail and raise him back out, up out of the grave, blow through a several thousand pound stone that's holding him in past guards who are guarding his grave, he can bring you a husband. He don't need your help. He doesn't need you to step in and start sacrificing your future, but you see it all the time. So they meet that person online. They meet that person in the bar whose values are not what theirs are. And it doesn't take long before they're trading their purity. They're trading their integrity for sex. For something right now that ultimately sacrifices the future that God has for them. I think Esau would say, beware of the bull. It's not worth it. Walk away from the bull. The bull always looks better in the store than when you take it home. Amen? It always looks better in the store than when you get it home. Walk away. Your integrity is worth more. Beans for your birthright. A bowl of beans for your future and what God has planned for you. It's not worth it. What a horrible trade. And yet we do it every day. And the sad reality is anything smells good when you're hungry. And we'll grab onto any quick fix to satisfy that unsatisfied need and appetite in our life. And I think Esau would tell us we got to learn, listen, to stop compromising our future by making bad decisions based off of our internal appetites and impulse and instead start making decisions based off the Word of God and His principles. To let go of our desires and our appetites to embrace what God is leading us to do. And listen to the end. Listen what happens when we make decisions based off our internal appetites and impulses instead of the Word of God and His principles. Verse 34. Then, Jake, then Jacob gave Esau bread and vegetable stew, bean stew, and he ate and he drank. And then he left, and Esau despised his birthright. How sad. Look at that. How sad. It says he's, he sat down. He ate. He got up. And he left. He despised his birthright. It didn't even say he enjoyed it. It didn't even say that it tasted good. He simply sat down, he ate, 
He got up and he left. Man, man, I didn't feel like I, I thought I would feel. And this didn't satisfy me the way that I thought it would satisfy me. How sad. You see the remorse and you see the regret immediately in his voice. He despised his own birthright. And I think Esau in this moment would give us this next warning, and that is this, beware of the temptation to give up what you want most for what you think you want now. Beware the temptation to give up what you want most for what you think you want now. For Esau, he thought he wanted a bowl of beans. What he really wanted most was the inheritance that God had for him. He wanted his birthright. That's what he craved. He wanted his father's blessing, but he traded it for something he thought he wanted right now. Men, I want to be around to raise my kids, but man, she looks hot. Be careful. You don't trade what you truly want, being around to raise your kids for something that's going to last for a few minutes and destroy the future. And I see it all the time. I watch people, I watch Christians all the time give up our inheritance, give up our legacy, give up our potential, compromise on the promises that God has given us for something they think they want right now, that they think will satisfy us. And here's what I want to tell you this weekend. It never does. Esau would tell you, it won't satisfy you. That bowl of beans won't make you happy. It's just going to make you more miserable than you were when you started and lead you to yet one more compromise. That bowl of beans won't satisfy you. It never has, and it never will. Some of you right now are debating me in your head, and you're saying, this is, this is a great message, Matt. But here's the deal. I'm not Esau, and I don't have a rich daddy. I have a broke daddy who has nothing to leave me. I don't, I don't have an inheritance. There's no birthright for me, so this is all great. This is good information, but this doesn't apply to me. I want to stop this weekend and tell you, wherever you may be, whether you're at our Blunt Campus or North Campus, Campbell, Anderson County, or here at our Pellissippi Campus or online, every believer has a birthright. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there is an inheritance that God has set aside for you. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through, Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. You have an inheritance. There are specific things that God has set aside for every believer. There's peace that God has said we would have. There is joy that God has said we would have. We have a testimony through Jesus Christ. There are things that are general to all of us that God has set aside as an inheritance. But not only that, there are things that God has set aside specifically for you that God has reserved for you, that God has prepared for you, that God has purpose for you, that have your name on it. And nobody else can do it but you. And what I want to tell you this weekend is this, is that the devil can't take your birthright. He's got to wait for you to give it up. And so all day, every day, the enemy's going to place bowls of beans in front of you to try to get you to sacrifice your birthright and what God has set aside for you. And you say, oh, I'd never do that. But oh, for the right bowl of beans you would. And the devil knows just which bowl of beans to put in front of you. There's three things 
that we know about birthrights at this time. Three things could be done with a birthright. It could be doubled, it could be given away, or it could be transferred. For Esau, he gave it away. He gave it away. And just like we do all the time. And some of you are going, hey, you're, you're being too hard on Esau. Man, man, you, man, you're pounding on Esau. He's just a simple guy. He made a mistake. He made a simple mistake. But look what Scripture says about him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 through 17. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many people def, uh, become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Esau was called godless, right? The, the author of Hebrews is sitting around, see that no one, you know, captivates you and, and causes you to become sexually immoral or become godless. And, and, and who's an example of godless? Oh, oh Esau. Esau. Right? He became godless, who sacrificed everything for one single meal, traded it all. Last week, Zach preached about God being the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Did you ever stop and think that God's plan and God's design was for Scripture to say, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Esau. But Esau, for a single meal, gave it up. And traded the future that God had for him. So where does this go? Two starving sons. Esau was starving for some beans, for food, for nourishment. Jacob was starving for a blessing, for approval. Both of them acted on impulse, causing them to sell out their birthright, sell out the future that God had for them. And both of them ultimately saw destruction be brought into their lives. As I think about these two sons, I remember two other sons in Scripture. A firstborn son in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. The oldest son goes to his father and demands, he's, he's tired of being around his father, tired of living this way, he wants to go create his own life, demands his inheritance. He goes and he squanders it away on frivolous living, right? He squanders it on, on beans, all kind of beans, exotic beans, but ultimately the beans run out like they always do. And he finds himself in a hog pen, eating the slop that they feed hogs. And he comes to himself and he says, I've got an idea. I'll go home and I'll plead my case with my father. I'll beg my father and maybe he'll forgive me. I'll, I'll come up with a, a story. I'm so hungry. I just need food. I'll go home. Maybe he'll forgive me. And what he finds is the father comes running down the road and embraces him and begins to kiss him. He says, my boy is home. My boy is back from the dead. He's now home. Someone go kill the cow. Get the barbecue going. Someone strike up the band. Let's get some music going. My boy's dirty. Someone, someone get him some clothes. Get him a ring, a sign of authority. I'm giving my son his authority back, right? And he gets everything back. And I just got to be honest, this bothers me. 
Because there's one son, Esau, who set out away from home, came home empty-handed and hungry, made one bad decision, and lost it all. The prodigal son set out away from home, right? Made horrible decisions, came home hungry, and he got it all back. Why, why did he walk back to grace? Why did he walk back to forgiveness? And yet Esau wept and cried and begged to be forgiven. It was called godless. The prodigal wasn't even sorry. He was just hungry. The reason is because there's another firstborn son. His name is Jesus. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I want you to hear today that Jesus was the only firstborn son who didn't take the bowl of beans, who didn't sell out his birthright, who didn't settle and sacrifice God's future for him. And here's the deal. We talked about that a birthright, it can't be stolen, but it can be given away and it can be transferred. And what I want you to hear this weekend is this, is that Jesus will give you your inheritance back. You may have settled, you may have sacrificed God's future for something else, but he will give you your inheritance back. He died for it. He bled for it. And he paid for it. And all that's required is for you and I to come running home into his arms. And he will give you back the future that you let go of. See, Jesus, like us and Esau and Jacob, was starving in the desert. He was hungry, and the devil slithered up, slithered up next to him and placed a bowl in front of him and said, if you truly are the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus said, get away from me. I don't need to turn them in to who I already am. I am the bread of life, and he held on to his birthright. He didn't sacrifice it. He held on to it, and this weekend, God will give you his inheritance as your inheritance and your future, no matter what you've done. So all across the room, across all of our campuses with heads bowed and eyes closed. All of us are like Esau. We sacrificed our inheritance for bowls of beans. And for some of you this weekend, it's time to come home to Jesus. It's time to run into his arms and allow him to give you your inheritance back. To give you back your birthright. To become his. So if you need Jesus, if you need salvation right now, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for not giving up your inheritance and birthright. And thank you for giving me mine. I thank you that you have forgiven my sins through the cross. And I give you my life. I ask that you lead me, guide me, and I'll live for you because you died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of us this weekend who've already received Jesus, we know Jesus, let's heed the warnings from Esau's life. Let us commit to grow our inward character. Let us commit to make decisions based on God's word and not our internal appetites. 
and let us stop trading what we want now for what we want most in life. Let us stop sacrificing what we want most out of life for what we think we want now so we don't give up on the birthright and God's preferred future for us. Amen? Has it been good to be together this weekend? All right. We're so honored that you were here. We pray you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Can't wait to see you next weekend. Be back and bring someone with you.